Hello and welcome back to Intuitive, hosted by our dear leader, the brave and handsome Jack Rowland. I hope you like art. Today's guest is the incredible Mike Bakatron. Bakatron is a top-notch bloke. I hope you like the show. Let's get he. Is there a point to all this? I think we're getting in too deep. You don't apply. Bad luck. Oh, I have one speed. I have one gear. Go, 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 go. I'll tell you when we're getting in too deep, too deep, too deep, 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 deep. How are you, mate? Good, thanks. Good. Thank you so much for for joining me. Thank you for having me, and congratulations on showing some initiative and making your own podcast. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thank you. So, yeah, it took a, took a while to get it off the ground, but here we are. Um, we were meant to have a paint this afternoon, but... Uh, yes. Thank you, Melbourne weather. Yeah, it's yeah. A very good time for rain, though. Yeah, good absolutely. Time, good for my garden. Thank God for the rain. <laughs> I have heard there's actually problems with uh, rain with all these um, fire issues where people can't do backburning. Right, where they, where they need to for you know protection. Right, right, right. Do and they... um, also just working, working in rain is obviously harder for everyone. So right, so it's not always good, but it's much more good than bad, I'm sure. Yeah. Do the Do you have any idea whether this is meant to blow in the right direction or? It looked like it was going from west to east, so yeah, I, I guess know. that's kind of Gippsland. But um, yeah, I don't know. These fires have been pretty, pretty horrific. Incredible, very mm. sad. Yep. The um. The main thing I've just been gutted about is the animal loss. Yeah. Yeah. I actually gave a donation to uh, RSPCA. Yep. Uh, it was a bushfire appeal in New South Wales. And actually, I did a, I put a post out online of um, selling a print etching that I did mm. uh, where I'll give all the profits to to a particular charity. I think I'll give it to the same one. Yep. Is yeah. that still or up? Maybe a Victoria, maybe RSPCA Victoria. Is that still up and um, yeah. active? How, yeah, yeah. How do people jump on that? Uh, just on my... Um, Instagram mm-hmm. or even website is the little shop there, and it's a, etch, a copper plate etching that I did for an exhibition last month. And um, I thought it was the most relevant one because uh, there's a house in there, there's bees in there, so yeah, a few yep. florals. Awesome. A lot of people rebuilding their houses at the moment. Yeah. Yep. I can imagine. Yeah. It's oh, yeah also in this exhibition, I um, sold. I only saw two of these etchings, and I think most people didn't realize it was a print, and there was an edition of 40, because it was in a frame, and there was a red dot on the that thing. Yeah. So I think people just kind of breeze over that, but... Yeah. You know, and it didn't really feel comfortable posting too much um, on social media the last few weeks. It's kind of a bit of a weird time where, where you know, in people's feeds, they're seeing all this devastation, and then, uh, you know... Someone wins, win, I saw, saw someone windsurfing or something, a friend. Yeah, okay. And it just seemed quite irrelevant yeah so i think most of my life is especially art world i'm just presenting a um fun jovial kind of a, a uh, aspect you know people mm. to enjoy in the splash of color yep and um yeah just didn't really feel so so comfortable doing that yeah yeah i can understand that mm. um well good on you good on you for uh it's also a good time to have a break over christmas new year's from y- yeah constant digital world yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, I haven't even uh, mentioned about that mycelium wall project that we just did a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty bloody epic. It was. Yeah, that was definitely the most epic project I've been a part of. Yeah, I felt like I could not um, do as much as I usually do because I had that back issue. 
Yeah, I felt for which, you. <laughs> which is so much better mm. right now. But um, Chuck Mayfield definitely. Um, oh my God, what he's a definitely hero! A mach- machine. What a hero! It was many days up that machine, scissor lift machine, spray gunning the background, and, and he's just so versatile, and he's covered in paint. And um, and uh, for those who are listening, this was a project where there was four, I guess, established artists or more adult, and Mycelium put it out for three youngsters to come and get mentored, and uh, there's various kind of... Um, various uh, workshops we went through to come up with the design. It's quite interesting how the final product happened because that was the 18-year-old Sophie's yeah. concept. Yeah. I just did like five minutes of Photoshop and then it was like bang, bang because there's a bit of controversy just before about to start of people needing new permissions mm. who own the building when that was apparently sorted a month ago. Do you have a... Uh, because uh, you do uh, so many commission works for walls and that things, mm-hmm. do you often have to run into those kind of um, uh, hurdles when you're doing yeah. well, design work? Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything has happened. All, all the different scenarios. Yeah, yeah. Um, can but, be can be annoying. Um, but I guess the more you do, the more you get used to that and um, troubleshooting things before they happen. So basically, we went to start um, on the Monday, and on the Friday, we got um, word from various other stakeholders that were involved in this enormous warehouse that we're painting that um, they the design was way too loud techno main stage i think techno, was the um way the too many term. colors <laughs> i thought it was pretty good but. the owner wanted more pastels mm-hmm. the tenants wanted some of the tenants wanted bright colors of their logo and so you know from our side we also want to get something out of the project as well as artists mm. um sometimes in the past you just put your foot down and like take it or leave it yeah uh, but this was obviously the facade was a um project that's meant to tick all these boxes so and that was what mycelium got the money for from creative victoria mm. I was having a fair anxiety attack because I was in charge of the ordering of the paint. Right, and, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, so we literally just before I ordered got the word that everything had to be more pastel. So I ordered all the pastel colours and then an entire redesign. Oh, I was just yeah. freaking out that all the wrong colours were going to land on me. But I think it was, it was a really good thing to force myself into that. Um, thank you, Brian Itch, for the, for the hand and working out how many... How many liters? How many liters per square meter? I think we worked out it was roughly almost a kilometer of square meterage. Did, wow. did you work that out? Or? Something like that. Yeah, add them both together. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> and when you decided to paint the entire side as well, you're like, yeah, we can do that in yeah. a week. I was like, yeah. All right, I know you're a fast painter, Macca, but well, uh, yeah. I mean, with the spray, with the spray gun, just coverage is not yeah. is not that time intensive, but yep. How do you um? So around that time. Just before we started that uh, week-long project, you also had a solo show and your large birthday, which was a <laughs> event at Fitzroy Town Hall. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, uh, Safari Ball was yeah. the theme. How the hell do you manage to stay so chill? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> While you're like, man, I'd be that freaking was, out. That was ambitious. Yeah. To do two things at, at the same time, but it's a 40th birthday, so number of people coming in from out of town and the idea of doing the exhibition at the same time was they obviously feed off each other and certain family or friends can come see a show mm-hmm. and they're very close to each other. Um, so although ambitious, I think they were both quite successful. Um, and I, the Wednesday of the show, when I was opening for like a, a soft preview opening just for certain friends and family and buyers and collectors and stuff, 
Uh, so many things went wrong. Like six, seven really? things went wrong. Yeah. Like, when uh, my, well, my phone broke. Was totally inoperable. So yep. there's no way to contact. You know, so many phone calls. Both of my computers broke. My laptop broke. Didn't function. My main computer letter O didn't work, so I couldn't type emails. My <laughs> van broke, and that was outside the gallery in Collingwood for three days. I was Damn. just paying for parking. Yeah. I had to get that towed, and it ended up not being a battery or a fuel injection issue. It was just the key. The chip, the chip had broken, so the car would open but wouldn't start, like wouldn't read it. And two sculptures broke, not in any serious way, but one was a fuse of a light that I made, and so that was just you know, ten different steps over an hour and a half to get that going. And then the piano terrarium that I made, that was with great. With some friends, the glass, the silicon hadn't set in that for some reason, and another small thing broke as well. But I feel like I just rose above all that stress and yeah. just kind of. Swam through it all. Yeah. Every time I saw you, you seemed Seemed cool, calm, and collected. Yeah. And then (laughs) um, um, Thursday, I was so much more mentally prepared for the the three, four hours of power of Mm. schmoozing and just always just half conversations is, excuse me a second, you know, like, and so that went, that went much better than expected because I don't really enjoy that. Oh man, I find openings very overwhelming. Oh man, it's overwhelming and you just, yeah. It's, it's not enjoyable, but I'm getting better at that. Yep. And then the safari ball, that's supposed to be a party, mm. and it was six or eight performers. A lot of people, most people were friends. It was friends from when I was 12, best friend from then came. It was friends from, I met just a week before. It was all these people that I kind of half knew that I told to come. And then the night before, Friday night, I uh, went to Revolver at 11 p.m. for some reason. <laughs> I was there till three in the morning, and I was writing a speech out in the... Smoko area, and I wasn't really that drunk, but just a lack of sleep. Yeah. The next day, I felt kind of frazzled, and there was 50 phone calls that day, mm. which was just problem, 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 information, and then just phone calls that were not problems, or just people wanted to know random bits of information that they could find somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, and then so when I got to the, I was feeling quite stressed actually, and um, haven't felt, re- I don't think I've ever felt like that before actually. Mm. Yeah, and got to the safari ball, and then suddenly, just like it just washed out of me. Yeah, it's all happening. Yep, all these little things that might happen or not, it's all good. And then I played didgeridoo for Welcome to Country, and yeah, then I had a few words great. to say in a small speech. And after that, I was like, "It's all cool. I'm now. good. Yeah. I'm good." <laughs> and um, I didn't drink really at all at the party, but I just felt so high on life. Yeah, great. and um, was the only kind of not so much negative, but the only. Th- thing that was hard is also just trying to spend a little bit of time with so many people yeah which everyone totally understands that but um it went really well yep yeah right. and i might even do it again but maybe not yeah um, maybe not the yeah, next year <laughs> maybe not next year but. yeah yeah come to think about it i do remember you having a little status update saying cater is pulled out at the last oh yeah minute. that was another <laughs> thing as well <laughs> i was like oh god the poor guy yeah and then um you also can work out pretty easily what friends or colleagues can deal with stress really well. Mm-hmm. And um, Dave Chestwig was uh, managing the event. He dealt with stress really well. Great. He was taking things on. And um, Heidi, lovely girlfriend, she also deals with stress really well mm. and is quite calm and competent. And so you did uh, end up having a good time? Yeah, I had a great time. Yeah, great. Yeah. So did I. Yeah. Oh, I'm best dressed. You did, yeah. Did. <laughs> yeah. And uh, when I was um, called up to the stage, I... Happened to be in just a bit of a state yeah. to, without going into too much information. Yeah, yeah, I remember. <laughs> and you won a ring that was from yeah. a friend Gons, Gons yeah. Lab. So yeah. He's a master mechanic. He's a, a, a very talented person that I used to be a mechanic with him, a bicycle mechanic. Yep. But he does steel fabrication, just, you know, unique problem-solving jobs. 
But um, we should go there sometime because you got to get that fitted. Yeah, he's yeah, in, yeah. He's in Heidelberg, and it was in a uh, like a glass kind of yes. beautiful case. That yeah. was. Uh... He's one of the most interesting people that I know. He's. I don't think he's finished year eight, so he can't read mm. it right, and he plays really? it up a little bit. But he's super intelligent, and the way he learns is just through his hands, through his mind, in just a different awesome. way. Yeah. yeah, just good with so many different things. Yeah, fantastic. Um, one of my highlights of that party would have definitely been the the bloke who lifted a bowling ball with his dick. Yeah, Captain Ruin. <laughs> Captain Ruined. Captain Ruin. Ruin. Yeah, Mitch. So he teaches at Circus Oz. He's a, oh, really? He's a circus freak. Yeah. Yeah, he, he kind of... I was up the back, so I didn't get a good look at him, but he kind of looked like... Um, What's his name? Keith from the Prodigy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. full tatted up, kind of punky vibes, yeah. and uh, looks pretty gnarly guy. Yeah, it's quite but, funny when I was asking him to do the project because talking about um, you know, money for this and that, and um, the whole party was any profit would be shared amongst performers, and um, he was explaining this act he does. He picks up a bowling ball with his uh, dick and his balls. Yep. Yep. And um, I was like, oh, look, it sounds awesome, but. You know, there's going to be some friends and family there. My parents will be there. They're not that conservative, but, you know, I don't know. There's probably going to be some kids and stuff. And he's like, oh, I'll also do this one where I, um, I'm i in roller skates and uh, I'm in a uh, straight jacket and I escape from the straight jacket. And I was like, oh, this is a heritage venue. You can't have roller skates there. Yeah. And he's like, well, I'll do this other one where we're throwing knives. And I was like, we can't put pins in the wall and sticky tape. <laughs> he goes, I've got this fire one. And I was like, okay, definitely not fire. And I thought, maybe we just do the bowling ball one. Yeah. It's going to be the safest option. Yeah, let's do it yeah. later on when, you know, people are a bit tipsy. Yeah. How'd you get the um the venue? Just had to uh, fork it well, out? Well, we got a big discount on that. We got a 90% right. discount. Oh, wow. Which is huge. Community event? Community event. I yeah. framed it to City of Yarra as not so much three people's birthdays, but three arts organizations in Yarra, mm-hmm. which is my studio, Everfresh in Collingwood, uh, Ariana's uh, gallery, Beatside on Brunswick Street, Fitzroy, and Nixie was supposed to be joining the party, uh, and she's <coughs> runs her clothing label and was, the, I guess, kind of director of Versus Gallery that Studio. Nixie Killick? Nixie Killick. Oh, I love her stuff. She's great. Yeah, she's awesome, but she's uh, quite pregnant, so she Oh, really? Out, yeah, she pulled out... Uh, organizing and being being uh, mm. involved i guess yeah right. she was going to come anyway but um you know being pregnant of course a good, good excuse oh, wow. yeah but anyway when the planning stage she was a part of it mm. and um i approached city of yarra because fitzroy town hall is right in the middle and uh i checked out a few other kind of venues we're going to do it in a warehouse going to do it in a car park and um october 7th just called them up and said hey just wondering if that's you know available and like Blah, 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 had a few questions. And they said, it's really unusual that this is available in the start of summer and you need two months booking time minimum. So that was the last day to do it. And so I just called the other two girls and like, hey, look, I want to do this. Blah, blah, blah. And I put down the money. And um, yeah, and it just kind of steamrolled into this such a bigger event than it was ever meant to be. Yeah. And part of, um, yeah, part of that was, I didn't really say this on the speech, but a friend of mine died like, what would have been uh, September, I reckon, September, October. Sorry to hear, he, man. Yeah, he was uh, a lacrosse coach of mine when I was an angry young teenager growing up. He was 46 and he got given six months to live, six to eight months to live. And that was pretty much exactly six months, I think. Damn. And it's not like he was a person that would, you know, not live in the moment, but having that kind of... Uh, confronting thing that that could happen to anyone yeah and so that was just a little bit of inspiration to whenever there was a point to throw down money or mm. to 
get the best of this or that or get this performer or whatever it was, the quality beer from Pirate Life. Or yep. I just kind of made it happen. Yeah. And I haven't done the numbers yet, but I think it's going to cost me a couple of grand. <laughs> but that was what I was totally fine with. What anyway. Else, what else would you spend your money on? Yeah. <laughs> and so many people had a good time. Though, Memory lasts forever. Yeah. yeah, I had a really great time, dude. And thank, yeah. yeah, thank you so much for uh, putting it on. Yep. Thank you for coming. Yeah. <laughs> Did you, um, you are a very busy artist constantly working yeah well, uh, after that actually i took some time off i was yeah. going to ask did you yeah. manage to create a bit of space for yourself yeah 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 but in general terms i've, I've definitely am quite active yeah yeah um how many murals would you paint uh i don't know a month a week what's yeah. your what's your kind of what's probably your strike rate? Pr- probably um okay so leading up to the exhibition that's two three months of very little mm. else other than painting canvas a couple of murals and then the months before that i was overseas a couple of times but I'd say the last few years would average like three a month. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Mm. Far out. And I try not to do anything back to back. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes things take time or you get rained out. Yep. Yep. But I think in the future, there'll be less murals, more time, each one more quality, I guess. Okay. And less murals, more canvas. More quantity. Work. Yeah, more canvas and yep. just more sculptural things or yeah, cool. things that I'm kind of don't know how to do so you're learning yeah 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 i I love um the way you really uh you don't let anything hold you back i remember when you're doing the you always do the acdc lane uh wall and thank you so much for inviting me to do that uh back however long it was four years ago ago. that was uh my first mural um proper mural and i appreciate you uh no worries into that it went really well yeah it did go really well actually um Never had really used aerosols before that, yeah. and uh, thought I was doing all right. And then I had a, I think a puff of a joint while I was uh, halfway through. Like, yeah, that'll chill me out. Just did the opposite, made me reel in my head. I was like, everything yeah. I'm doing is terrible, but um, ended up looking pretty good. I reckon. Yeah. yeah. Well, that sort of that sort of surface these these days, I prefer less aerosol. Right. You yeah. Know, much more brushwork when it's a really good wall like that smooth wall. Mm. If it's rough brick or rough anything, aerosol is just so much better. Yeah. Uh, but then also at some point when it's the size, uh, even using a little roller and getting gradients and texture through that, yeah, I kind of prefer that. It's yep, it's um, more effective and quicker. Yeah, it's um, you know, aerosol versus versus brushes. Uh, I've I've I'm a I always stick to what I know, yeah. unfortunately. Um, but you know, aerosol you can you can really smash out things real quick. But I don't know. How, yeah. How, why, why, why do you want to move towards brushes? Uh, well, I guess it's like moving back towards brushes yep. in many ways. But um, I think partly health reasons. And yeah. Part, partly uh, aesthetics where I've never been that interested in graffiti lettering. And then sometimes mm. you get classed as a graffiti artist. Yep. And my, my world is quite saturated with street art, mm. I guess. And so that's not, that's not bad because it's pretty broad. But... Um, um <clears throat> yeah i don't know maybe it's just uh change challenge yep yep awesome oh yeah the reason i brought up the acdc lane one because i was uh just about to talk how you always rise to the challenge so you got that um other commission from i think it was from cherry bar where you made a sculptural yeah bon scott bon scott yeah busting out of the bricks and you yeah that was an interesting project, that, that something was, I yeah. didn't know how to do at all. And then I, I got three different experts in to help. One was a metal fabricator, Richie. One was a brick expert, Goffy. Mm. And the other guy was a sculptor, a friend of Goffy, Steve Carroll, who works on film. So 
And um, so I was part of every step and making a lot of decisions, but also letting the professionals. Still there, right? Thing. It's still there. It's, yeah. it's, it's in there for a long, long time. Like it's concrete rendering over top of a polystyrene. Right. So that will last all types of weather. Yeah, cool. And it's on a steel frame, which it would take a little bit of time to smash all that apart and get it off, but it'll go back to pretty much just a couple of holes in the brick. How do you attach it? Hammer drill? Uh, we The metal frame, mm. that was extremely solid. So that's done. Dino bolted in, chem set in, mm-hmm. and then the fake bricks, they're kind of quite thin and it looks like real bricks and they look like they're exploding around this. So yeah. that just covered the, the metal framework. Yeah. And um, that's not Cherry Bar anymore. They've moved out a few months ago. I heard that, yeah. Yeah, and I believe Cherry is moving to Boney, which Boney used to be Pony. Yep. <laughs> and James Young is... Pony, uh, Boney, Cherry. Yeah, James Young <laughs> is the owner, one of the owners, and he's always looked out for me, so... Yeah. He came to my exhibition and showed me the new laneway that he wants me to paint at some point. But the the old place that was Cherry, that's going to be a venue, and I'm talking to them actually about Great. a plan there. Yeah, fantastic. Mm. Yeah, nice one. Um, yeah, your art is um, very diverse, but I think you've uh, got kind of pretty similar um, threads throughout a lot of your work. Uh, in recent years, I guess, mm. heavy, heavy jungle theme. Yeah. yeah. Um, lots of lush, uh, green, uh, environments that you create and, uh, yeah, you do it so well. You do it in a real, um, I think I heard you talking on, um, another podcast where you, Tom Gerard, Tom, Tom Gerard's Bench podcast. Talk. Yeah. Yep. That's the one. And, um, about just creating mess. And then refining certain areas yeah. and you let the viewer's brain do the work. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, that. I love it that. really depends on the distance you're going to view as yeah. well mm. to how much mess you can put. So it's kind of a bit of a trial and error always. And also with that, it's like a some type of a push and pull where you create mess, refine, create more mess, refine, yep. and just go back and forth. And I haven't really felt like I've worked out how to translate that to a canvas properly yet and i have a couple ideas how mm. to yep how to uh scale that down i'm i'm pretty um i'm pretty rigid i cannot i've tried so many times to get messy and let it go yeah, um, yeah. but I'll, I'll eventually get a, cam- a canvas that's two meters long and i still use the same size brushes yeah <laughs> just these yeah, yeah. tiny brushes which is um it quite takes a, uh it takes a while though right it's yeah it's weird though how a, a wall i was talking to christian about this last week uh, you know, you can do an enormous wall, bust it out in three or four days, but a canvas will take a month, or at least it does for me. I don't know. So how. why do you think that is? Because you you never painted a wall before ACDC. Yeah. So um, that first few would have taken a, a, quite a while to scale up. Yeah. Uh, you think it's just because you know what you know? Probably. Probably uh, yeah. have a much lazier work ethic when I'm in the studio, you know? Lazier, but it takes more time. Takes more. It does take more yeah. time. Um. I don't know. Oh yeah, I, I I can't put my finger on it. Mm. Uh, in theory, it should just um all work out, but it does definitely mm. does not. Because <laughs> this is something you and me spoke about early on. Because when uh when we did that ACDC lane wall, that was some type of a trade where we did a session of oil painting together. Yeah, I don't know how good of a teacher I was. <laughs> no, I was really good, and I should I learnt oil painting when I was twenty in mm. uh, twenty one twenty in New York. I was going to art school, mm. so I did like a year and a half of a lot of oil painting and i think in many ways i've never got to be that good with technical stuff Mm. since then just the time yeah 
it's um I don't know. It's, I guess I'll just stick to what I know. You know, yeah. I, I don't know how to translate the information. <laughs> yeah, but we were talking about back then um, uh, how to make that jump to be a full-time artist in your world, and mm. so you're selling canvas for quite good money, and the gallery you were with is taking a decent percentage. Decent. Yeah. And Most um, them do. of course, yeah, and yeah. that's that's the world. Yep. Gallery world, but um, I guess we we're talking about the okay, the option is okay, you always speed up. Or you paint smaller, or you raise raise prices mm. to be able to make enough that you don't do these other jobs. You know? We could do both. <laughs> you could do both. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're a very fast painter. Yeah. How, how how did you? Were you always like that, or uh, you just thought, you know what, let's deal with this? Um, lod- yeah, I think problem problem solving. Just always enjoyed it. Yeah. And um, I have had quite a lot of sport background. Mm. Yeah. Sport background. Mm. Right. What were you doing? Uh, I used to ride bikes a lot as a job. I used mm-hmm. to play uh, lacrosse to a reason oh, high yeah, you level. Said that, lacrosse. And soccer. I still play soccer now. Yep. But just as a kid, like until until maybe discovering a lot of things as teenage years, just doing so many sports before that. Yeah. Mm. Yep. I was a gymnast really? and the cox of the rowing, the thirds rowing team at Wesley. Really? <laughs> cox. Not even a good cox. What just the little, that's the guy, the tiny person who sits at the back of the oh, boat. The, the screaming, conductor. Screaming at the, that's a generous term. Everyone else used to call it the little bitch. But, um, really? Yeah. <laughs> just screaming through a little microphone. Oh, I, I didn't realize that was a term. <laughs> yeah, the, the coxswain, I think. Is the, the term, but uh, yeah, it was good fun out in the water every uh, three times a week. Yeah, it was good fun, but um, yeah. Did you have a? Oh, how, how'd you find New York? How to find it? Yeah, um, I loved it. I went there a couple of years yeah. ago. Loved it. Yeah. I went there when I was just turned twenty. Mm. And I just cut off dreadlocks, and I was there on <laughs> a sports and sports and academic scholarship, and I was pretty naive, uh, young guy from Adelaide. Yep. And um, the college was Long Island, so it's quite a protected society inside that college world. But then ended up living in Manhattan and Brooklyn for another th- three, four years. So I was there five years altogether. Were you doing um, murals then, back then? A little bit. Yep. I was doing some vandalism and doing more like two, three murals a year. Yeah, yep. And yeah, um, some pretty, at the moment. <laughs> pretty rubbish ones as well. And also kind of like drunken, drunken attempts at night, you know, on different train lines and stuff. And yeah. Vandalism, just uh, graffiti origins, or just uh, breaking shit. No, nah, <laughs> no, nah, more just uh, writing, writing funny things, or yeah, painting some black and white kind of faces. Or was even related to what I was doing at printmaking. Yep. In college. Yeah. Mm. Is that is is uh, New York harder to? Uh, is it more political in terms of the street art scene? You know, do you? Um, um, I've got some well, friends that live over there and. Uh, he he came over. Cipher, shout out to Cipher. He mm. came down, saw um, uh, Jose oh, yeah, Lane. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's yes. he's great. I Jesse. did um painted yeah Jesse yeah. Uh, painted um Movita with him on yeah. Jose Lane, and he was just watching everyone going over it. And he's like, yeah, it's like man, if this is in New York, you get shot. Yeah, <laughs> well, Jose is kind of unique. Yeah, that you can do that everywhere, I guess. Yep. And I think that it's great that it exists in our city though as well. Yeah, kids can paint somewhere safe and. Takes some of the mystique away from it, mm. um, but he has a point as well. Yeah, yeah there is territorialism. Well, that's everywhere. But he he was saying because you you did that giant uh, snail with the kind of fire hydrant on the back. Yeah. Um, he said it's still pristine. 
Yeah. How many years ago was that? That was like five years ago. Yeah. Part of that is also that um, it's got a fence around it, which doesn't stop that many people. Mm. But also that's four stories high. So anyone doing something that's reachable, right. two meters high, it's like a pimple. Yeah. 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 And it's kind of like just one big epic epic thing. No mm. windows and it's a scaly wall, which is kind of suited the mural. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that's going to have a building built there at some point, And I tried to paint, repaint that last year. Yeah. Uh, with a huge frog, even bigger. That was a, somewhat of a memorial for the uh, mother of the owner of the building. Mm-hmm. But um, just before starting, the um, <clears throat> didn't get permission from Benny from the block, who had the keys to the gate. And there's like a little legal dispute of a who's owning that property now. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 So yeah, maybe one day. Yeah. It's yep. a huge billboard, and every every like week there's someone who reposts that. Yeah. On the Instagram. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love that piece. Um, have you found, have you always been a mural painter or were you kind of graffiti in the early days? Um, doing little bits of graffiti and street art. Yeah. I guess street art before it was called street art. Hmm. And I was drawing and painting all over my bedroom walls as a kid as well. Hmm. Everyone in my family did it. Yeah. And my parents didn't seem to care that much, all those six kids. So they, they actually built an upstairs and moved upstairs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or out, smells like aerosol yeah. in there. Well, not aerosol, just charcoal drawings and... Yep. A lot of movie quotes and, you know, tracing silhouettes and yeah. uh, just random stuff. Yeah. I used to beg my parents to do that. They're like, nope. <laughs> yeah, well, now that house, my parents are still in that same house, but it looks like a magazine. Mm, okay. It's put spotlighting in everywhere. And, yep. Yeah. Mm. And my mum had an art show a few years ago for her 70th. Oh, nice. And, and so the house is covered with her paintings now. Great. What, what, yeah. what does she paint? Uh, she goes to, like, old lady art classes and they just yeah. copy pictures of um, farmhouses and flowers and stuff like that. Yeah, nice one. Yeah, and yeah. she's got quite a quirky brain, so I've always thought that she could, a few kind of loosening up things, and the way she sees the world is not the way everyone sees it, so mm. I don't know if there'll be even some way to tap into that, but she's also quite regimented because of her classical music background, mm. and I think that translates to her painting where she knows a formula of translating that image to a canvas, and she just sticks to it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah. Well done to your mum on getting yeah. a first exhibition at 70. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> you know, I always think, um, if, you know, if some people always think, oh, I've left things too late, can yeah. never, uh, it's too late to start something. Just remember that, you know, Donald Trump became president at 70. Mm. <laughs> well, my dad started studying politics at 72, 73. Yeah. Started politics? Studying politics. Oh, yeah. So he was a dentist when I was growing up and then when I was maybe 18 he was 50 he went back to university to study psychology mm. and he still had two kids in high school and 57 had masters in psychology and then 58 had first ever job interview and then did that job for 13 years um, psychological work with refugees mm-hmm. and um, then retired at like 71 or 72 and then didn't really like retirement so went back to study politics but then he dropped out because just wanted to take more holidays. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice one. So that's 13 years of another career of psycho- psychology is. Yeah, wicked. Mm. Yeah, nice one. Um, yeah, I was uh, just before talking about your themes and ideas throughout your work. How, yeah. would, how would you describe for the listeners um, yeah, well, I guess what your you, work's all about? You were mentioning the jungle kind of nature scenes. Mm. So that's just something my brain just keeps going back to, this attraction to yep. that. And the, the, the uh, awe or, or the kind of senses you have when you're walking through a forest or you have some um, attraction or interest in a, a beautiful animal. Mm-hmm. A lot of animal, a lot of characters. 
Uh, there's other ongoing themes of um, lips, sexy lips, teeth, uh, a lot of cigarette butts. I used to paint them a lot. Mm-hmm. Bees. Um, bees, a lot of bees. Bees are almost like a tag. I used to do them all over the world. Yeah. And good, also good like tag. kind of um, <laughs> some type of a theme, maybe it's hard to describe, about the mechanics of reproduction, mm. whether it be flowers or vaginas, sexual mm. organs. and um, Finding links. Yeah, or um, fruit. It's a sexual organ of the tree. Yeah. Reproduction of that. Yeah. And the those relationships. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, kind of what I get from it is, um, uh, yeah, heavy, heavy on the nature and also mm. kind of um, tongue-in-cheek throwaways of human nature as well. Yeah. Kind of thrown in there as well. Yeah. Um, and you, you, you really splice it all together. Yeah. yeah. I think with the, the portrayals of, Women, I think there's some type of a attraction in there. Mm-hmm. Beautiful women, but I think there's also <laughs> this um, a concept of uh, well, like we all come from our mothers, and then growing up, I had a lot of problems with my mom. She's quite a unique individual, mm-hmm. not the most logical to have an argument with, and so I think there's some type of like a love hate thing when I was a teenager, with um, you know, there's so many great things about my mom and creative through her creativity and music like i still play piano which is from her she's played very well <laughs> played okay yeah yeah so i think there's some kind of you know a love hate thing there with with that and so i've done a few things where it's a an attraction to something but then put a twist in there mm-hmm. so there's like uh, sexy lips with multiple cigars in there or or i used to do these like naked women with cat heads yeah so there's yep. this you did the, that on movita as well didn't you really yeah yeah so there's like an attraction to this human figure, but then uh, a weird wiring of your brain where there's a place that it stops where you're not attracted to that yep. feline part of it or the cigarette butts, it's kind of gross, but yeah. then that is a sexy thing somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think about doing a show sometime this year called Pretty Ugly. Pretty Ugly. Where it'll be kind of like a play on this where there's some beautiful things mixed in with some not so beautiful things. Yeah, great. Yeah, I look forward to look forward to seeing it. Yeah. Um, Looking for a venue. Yeah. <laughs> You can think of something. Yeah, for sure. Something um, that's pretty and ugly. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have an idea actually for a place. But care to share or not? Uh, not yet. I don't mind saying it. It's a, a place that I was going to do the show last December, where it's a it's a um, place that hires out plants for different reasons, and they also do venues venue hire, so they do weddings in there. It's in Richmond, and um, so I was asking them if I could do a show in there and move all their stuff, like it's a venue hire, mm. so they move all their products in the middle or the different displays but then have it for the week and they just move their stuff back in the middle yeah yep mm. yeah awesome oh so we'll see if we can negotiate yeah that. hope it works out yeah um yeah you also have like uh quite a few cool themes that come through like um touch on some pretty trippy psychedelic themes you also yeah. touch on some pretty um spiritual themes um and kind of uh themes that re- relate to the indigenous people of Australia and, yeah. and, um, and, and some really environmentally conscious themes as well. Yeah. Uh, which I love. That's great. Um, one, again, one we did, uh, on the side of brother burger off Smith street in Collingwood. Uh, it was kind of your orchestration. Um, the theme was a, a stop a Dani. Um, oh, well, yeah, that was, that was kind of Stiff Ives theme. I asked her to oh, be right, the, yeah. the architect and yep. she came up the bioluminescence, mm. but then, um, someone asked me to do something controversial and I'm going to re-blog it. I think it was Scotty Marsh. 
Yeah. Or maybe yeah. With someone else. But um, yeah, anyway, so that kind of fitted into that. Yeah, no, that yeah. was good. So it was a beautiful, I think Brian Edge painted some crazy yeah, put some condoms, sea dragons. Condoms in the water. <laughs> condoms floating past them. Six pack holders. Yeah. Some lighters and some um, heavy uh, machinery in the yeah in the background there yep um and the owners they were totally cool with that yeah they were, yeah they were, even the kind of the he wanted something controversial so i did this one the jellyfish that looked a lot like a hairy cock sure did <laughs> some big floppy balls at the bottom of that <laughs> we got out we got um tagged over not tagged over um painted over by one up crew yeah, that was me. Oh, was that you? Yeah, with those German guys, yeah. Oh, nice one. I was, I was yeah, going to say. Yeah, I think there was a... If f- anyone's going to go over that, I'm glad it was them. <laughs> yeah, well, they were in town and um, that restaurant had been... It's done. Uh, yeah, it'd been, it'd been empty for at least six months. And I don't know if there was like... I don't think there was too many tags on the wall, but I knew it was going to get smashed. So mm. they were looking for a wall, so we just went there and painted it. And then yep. someone, someone painted over their part of it in blue. Like right. We did big blue letters, and then mm. they just painted, painted over the white lines in blue. So, yeah, okay. I'm guessing it's someone who's trying to sell the building. Right, right, right. right. Um, they were such lovely guys. They are like oh, really? hardcore criminal graffiti guys, mm. and they do the most crazy stuff on film with their faces covered. And then Love when it. I met them, they're just like, I don't know if I met the real, real tough guys. Mm. Yeah, but they're quite conscious, and they try to use graffiti to. Um, um, enable social change and to question things in society. And yeah. I think they will have normal jobs and some families and stuff, mm. and they're very wanted by a certain German graffiti task force. Yeah. Uh, but they have this double life. Sorry, it's quite interesting. Really burped there. Um, <laughs> I, when I was over in Berlin doing an artist residency, we went on a little uh, street art tour and yep. uh, we're getting worded up all about One Up Crew and yeah. um, got recommended a, a YouTube video, which oh, I, can't, I don't know what you type in, but there's like 10 dudes or more. And they, uh, a train, train. Yeah. train pulls in and they all just go for it. And they cover the entire train in under three minutes. Yeah. And the train has to stop and then they run. They The people are calling the cops. They just ignore that. Yeah. And the entire They're train. Quite, quite six, coordinated. Yep. And six a carriages. Of, a lot of graffiti artists, it's so much ego involved. Mm. But those one-up guys, I'm sure they have their own... Their own, own set of their, rules. Their, well, their own um, uh, names that they will... You know, do here and there. Yeah. But they're more focused on just the group effort. Yeah. Yeah. To do that. So. Mm. Um, That's one thing I never got into graffiti for. It's just so many knobs in that world and ego. It's a funny one, isn't and, it? And um, I like the creativity it. and I like the those people that are saying fuck you to the society. But then there's just you know people in a fight because they lost their wall or people getting so protective over little things. Do you come across much of that? Uh, I try to avoid it, you know, yeah. and I understand there's a, you know, there, there's always going to be that tension between people doing things illegally and then they lose a wall to someone who get paid. Yeah. Someone wants to pay someone like me because it's yep. a bit more palatable or whatever else. So that's always going to exist. But then also I think the more of murals there are, the better for graffiti as well. Mm. Better yep. for everyone for both. And there's always going to be people that do both or come from one to the other. Mm. And I think also all those people that are haters for artists they definitely would be making different choices if they were getting paid right to create something instead of whatever else they're doing you know? yeah so. it's a fun, it is a funny one i find because it's um on one hand it's such a fuck you to society or like almost a fuck you to rules you mm. know just like nah you can't box me in i'm gonna do my own thing yeah yeah but, but within it it's there's it's generally just four so letters. many rules yeah <laughs> oh it's just so political and so many rules yeah, and gossipy <laughs> yeah okay right and it's also 
the kind of definition of egotistical is writing your name really big everywhere. Right. Which I never really found that part fun. Mm. Like um, I used to do throw-ups and big roller letters. And it's just more fun just kind of changing a, a wallscape. Yeah. Then seeing my name later, you know. <laughs> I always thought it was funny Um, if you – I don't even know whether this actually happened, but the kind of classic person who's always in trouble at school, they have to write on the write on the board over and over <laughs> and over. And I'm just like, maybe that's the direct translation yeah. of that. <laughs> just keep, keep writing. Yeah, totally. Um, you've also got some pretty psychedelic themes in your work. Yeah. Um, constantly, I don't know, many mushrooms and things like that. Um, have psychedelics influenced your work? Yeah, well, I've um, definitely tried different psychedelics. Mm-hmm. I don't think my work fits so well into the, um, what do you call that genre? Visionary. Like visionary artist, yeah. Visionary, namaste. Yeah. Open I, the third uh, eye. <laughs> I um, yeah. used to be in the it's gallery at Rain- Rainbow mm. a lot, which I never thought I'd fit in. And every year I'd be like, hey, you don't have to invite me, but yeah. just um, nice people. And yeah, lovely people. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I don't think that when I've... When I've been high on different things in the past, I don't think of it's very functional. Mm. I don't think you uh, can do too much quality. I can't um, do it. Yeah, I don't know if anyone really can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think that it definitely expands your mind. Yeah. And I think if I've never even done that, I probably would still be doing trippy things anyway. Right. There's just some innate attraction to a little bit of weirdness or juxtaposition of concepts, I suppose. Yeah. 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 Um, have they um, directly influenced um, the way you, like you say, kind of, does kind of change the way you think? Yeah. Has that translated creatively or just throughout life? Yeah, well, I think it's probably more of a, a life thing. Right. Yeah, where there's um, what we were talking about earlier today was ayahuasca, and that's something I've done a number of times overseas. And the first time I did that would have been 20, 2011, I think, the last time I was in Brazil. Mm. And it's quite... A strong thing to do is this for people who don't know it's this tea it's a root that gets ground up with a vine i think and you drink this d- disgusting tea and then you it's not really sociable mm. you're in your own world for a number of hours and it can be quite challenging it can be the most beautiful amazing feeling you've felt and um people don't really talk about it as a drug it's they say it's more of a medicine um and at the time i was going through a breakup of long-term relationship but i was also that would have been the jump to be a full-time artist when I was 27, I think. Yep. 20, would have been about then, 27, 28. And um, I think it just, there was something in that time period, the last the six months after that ayahuasca trip, where I seemed to just be quite directional, comfortable with what you call weirdness, or comfortable mm-hmm. with being able to talk comfortably about mm-hmm. uh, prices or talk about... Um, styles or talk about yourself hmm. where it's never really come that naturally right yeah so i think that was kind of like a paradigm shift for me yep yeah great hmm. I, I, I tried it um uh, a few years ago but it didn't have a huge effect on me mm-hmm. i think it wasn't strong enough or I've, I've i've had some friends that have done it and they said i have i've, had, I've got one friend that she's gone to peru a number of times and mm-hmm. she does a seven or eight day retreat mm. and they do it about five or six times within that seven or eight days wow that's full on yeah because you're, right? you're more in the other reality reality than this reality. then exactly yeah because it goes for about what eight hours ten hours oh, it depends how much you drink yeah <laughs> in um, in general the, i've done it maybe 10 times now i think mm. um south america mexico 
And um, I think you generally have a first first cup or half a cup, and then that puts you in a bit of a zone, and then the second cup you start flying. Yeah. Generally, sometimes it has done nothing really. Yeah. Well, and that, it's almost that's like a waste said. of time. Like, and <laughs> like, what am I doing here with these, these people in the dark? <laughs> weird music. And um, the confronting side, when it's like you're getting quite challenged or you're definitely not comfortable, it's, it, it's like enhanced all these really negative feelings. Mm. But those are also the times where you've I've definitely felt like I've gone through something and achieved something out of that experience. Yeah. So I would much prefer that than um, a little bit of floaty feelings. Yeah. And then yeah, just kind of feel mm. a bit of a buzz. and mm. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I would say about it, though, as well, is please be careful. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are sensitive to certain things or if you're not in a – you don't think you're in the right headspace, I wouldn't recommend that. Essential And some advice. people just shouldn't do that stuff at all. Yeah. You know, some people shouldn't smoke weed and some mm-hmm. people shouldn't drink. They get angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think most times that I've done it, I would – get more out of it if I had more problems in life. <laughs> like, if you go into it with a set of intention and you're thinking about this intention the f- few days before, you don't necessarily find the answer to all your problems, but mm. you definitely will get a different way of looking at things yep. and perspective. And that's what I found a great benefit from. I've had that. Again, my, my, my ayahuasca trip was very mild and I didn't... It was a nice feeling, but nothing really came to me. But... On some like DMT trips, for instance, um, I have literally just been shown everything maybe in my life, or not everything, but parts of mm. uh, my behavior that may be not up to scratch. And mm. it literally will show me where I need to work and then deliver the message with love, yeah, uh, yeah. without fear and, quite, and anxiety. It's quite um, interesting how these it's a messages weird, come to you. Yeah, it is a weird thing. And, and I don't know whether it would have, I would have seen it. It was so obvious when, um, when that, whatever the message was came to me but uh, i don't think i would would have been able to see that in you know normal sober straight brain jack it's um it is strange how i don't know you just get caught up with your own uh, rationales for your behavior or or justifications or anything um it's such a wonderful thing that that's kind of stuff can actually do but yes again i do always forget this part of the of the chat Please be careful. Don't, <laughs> don't just go out willy-nilly, despite my advice. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's got to a point, what I hear in South America, where there's just spiritual tourism, yeah, where you can totally. just go to these medium-sized towns and talk to anyone. They always know someone, and you always get some guy that will take you somewhere, and they can get mm-hmm. the juice, Yep. and you go into a room somewhere, and then here you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bon voyage. Yeah. Yeah. Do, you, do you reckon like the ceremonial uh, part of it is essential, or would you be happy to think, try it? Uh, I don't think I'd want to do it by myself. Right. Uh, I think that being in some situation where there's guidance, I guess, or where there's other people who can help you if you're freaking out. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever needed that person, um, but it's definitely a possibility. Yeah. Um, I think there's a point where there's too many people. I was in the a ceremony in Mexico. Palenque, New Year's Eve, would have been like 2012, I think. And there was like 60, 70 people. Yeah. And it's way too many. Yeah, 60 and this or 70. 60 or 70 around a small fire in a hut, hut with like no walls, like purpose built. Mm. And then um, it's these uh, Brazilian guys from the Amazon, and they were telling me the, the grandfather's 104 years old, and the he's like this tiny guy. I don't know if he's really 104, yeah, but... Yeah, yeah, Sounds like a big pretty, cash cow to me. <laughs> well, it was, it, was, um, it was kind of funny how it happened, but... Yeah, and then the wife is like 97, and then um, uh, at the end of the ceremony, they just kind of like passed a 
had around for donations for the village. Right. I was like, okay, cool. Like, hmm. 60 or 70, though. That, but there that... wasn't enough juice. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And this, the second time, the guy was just kind of coming around with this tiny shot glass. And I was just kind of looking <laughs> at him and I was like, that'd be doing like... You're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. No one I was really with got that much out of it. Yeah. So, and I, and I had heard that they had run out and they were getting some supplies from some Mexican ladies or something. Yeah, okay, right. Uh, yeah, 60 or 70 people would be, um, to, uh, one person freaks out, it would affect everyone. And the, the, yeah, the, the, the risk snoring is, is <laughs> annoying you know, with my mate next to me. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Do you um do you think with, uh, with Aya, um, once... People, not everyone. Once many people drink it, they they seem to have a different um, seem to have that drunk the Kool Aid vibe about them when they talk about Mother Gaia and um, always refer to it as she and um, kind of all this uh, stuff. Do you think it is a genuine connection with a spirit, or is it actually just chemicals flying mm. around in your brain? Good question, because I'm very skeptical of. Everything, Me especially too. religions. I'm all about it, but I'm also skeptical. <laughs> yeah. I haven't figured it out. Don't know. Yeah, I mean, these are questions there's never going to be an answer for. Yeah. Of does God exist, and is ayahuasca a channel to a certain God or Mother Earth or something? Yeah. And um, I guess the the those earlier years of ayahuasca, I was um, really interested in this exploration and had felt these feelings, which are as real as us talking right now mm. you yeah know, you're in this other dimension That's and so thing. how can you say that that uh that reality is not real and how can i really understand what other people feel you know some people see auras around other people mm. and i don't really believe them yeah neither and i grew up i grew up <laughs> with i don't know what a chakra with, is but yeah. yeah well i grew up with um, religious parents and got expelled from a religious school about questioning god yeah and so i just don't believe any of that and i think that our generation on mass is the first to not inherit parents' religion, mm-hmm. you know, for first world countries overall. Yeah, never thought about that. I think it's, I think Australia on the whole is in a very sharp decline for interest in religion mm. and um, no religion is on census is going up. And USA, I think, is the same except for extremist religions. I think they're growing. Yeah. It's just like the divide is just getting bigger there. Yeah. And I would imagine a, there's most an extremism of, over there for sure. Yeah. And I would imagine Europe would be kind of similar where... You know, we have so many more answers to mm. questions that the Bible answered before. Yep. Yeah, I wonder um, what that, what, why the decline is so. I guess maybe the rise of technology and the internet. I think so. Well, yeah, and just like, well, well, religion will give you answers to everything, but then um, science as well will give you a lot of answers. Yeah. And science will change when the facts change. Yeah. Where religion is stuck in times so that you could point out any point in time in history where. Where like Christianity would have tortured people for saying the Earth rolls around the sun. Mm. I think Galileo or Copernicus was tortured. Yep, right. Yeah, I think Galileo. Well, I mean, until he retracted his evil science and mathematics. I think it was Galileo. Yeah, Yeah. actually, I think Copernicus said that the um, Earth wasn't the center of the Earth. Earth wasn't the center of the solar system. Well, flat Earth is on the rise. Maybe flat. Maybe Copernicus said the Earth is not flat. Not flat. Yeah. Damn, he'd get a bollocking if he was uh, <laughs> if he was online these days, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. Do you know any flat Earthers? No, but I did see on your podcast list that there was a guy, so I didn't bother listening to that one. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm fascinated by them. It's my guilty pleasure. Yeah. Going down the rabbit hole and. Well, I think a lot of them are just uh, taking the piss out of everyone, but I think there's trolls. Other... Yeah, but then there are people that 
seriously think that, a small percentage, then I think some people are just using that as a tool to provoke the questions in other people, mm. which is kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. Like how do you actually prove anything and I, how do you how do we all get our opinions from? I think that's what my first guest Anton was actually is actually all about if you really boil it down. He's just trying to get people to question yeah. why do you take this for granted? Yeah. Um but it's, it comes in a very sticky, weird, confusing form of flat earth theory. Yeah. <laughs> well I think also when you have discussions with people about climate change, mm. so much information out there. So people can be very rigid and there's that um, confirmation bias mm. where if you're just going to listen to one form of media, but then that's also what I'm doing as well. Where yeah, well, I'm, I'm guilty of too, I'm sure. I'm interested in uh, reading about things. A lot mm -hmm. of, I read a lot of science books. And then I'm thinking, I'm only reading things that are interesting for me, so I'm not reading these other things. You know? Yeah. Where it's, well, some friends would say that the earth isn't as warming as quick as people mm. alarm us to say. And that why should Australia do anything when the rest of the world is not doing as much or USA is not doing much? I saw, um, That's a fair I, point. I saw a really – I can't remember what it was. It, uh, maybe it was Will Anderson, I think. I don't ever really watch uh, you know, normal TV. watch heaps of Netflix, but I'm, I'm not saying I'm one of those guys who's unplugged from TV. Mm -hmm. But I think it was um, – someone was uh, – someone, I think Alan Jones was saying – Australia's emissions are so bloody tiny. Yeah. Um, why should we have to pick up the slack? And then he kind of compared. Um, I think it was Will Anderson. I hope it, I'm getting that right. He was comparing it to uh, the uh, I can't remember which war, but a war. And um, you know, would we say you know this isn't affecting us? So you go guys go off and die. We're on a small percentage yes. of this, but no, yes. we did. We went in and we helped yes. out our fellow man who and was going through a struggle. And I thought it was a really good comparison. It's a very good point. And yep. it's also um, the the risk that Australia or everyone has is far far greater than if Australia didn't go to World War One or mm. Two. Right. You know, we would have been not so close allied to many countries if we didn't go to those wars. Yep. And there'd probably be some economic things. We've benefited a huge amount from that. Mm. Um but this is a risk for everyone, especially Pacific Islanders, especially people that are connected to farming, mm. low-income people. Yeah. They're going to be yep. affected the most. Yeah. People that have to live near uh, polluted places. Mm. Yeah. So. Speaking of, I've just booked a ticket to India. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So to escape... Um, I thought to escape all this polluted air in Australia, I'd, I'd <laughs> go, to, go take some go deep, Delhi. <laughs> deep medita meditative breaths in India. <laughs> yeah, really? Where are you going? Uh, flying into Delhi. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely go to Rajasthan for a mm -hmm. bit. And um, I don't know. Haven't quite decided yet. Have you been there before? I've uh, been twice. Okay. Yeah, love love India. It's definitely a challenge. Yes. Had some uh, hairy experiences, but um, me, too, me too. Love it. Really, uh, it's an adventure <laughs> for I had sure. A culturally interesting visit to a hospital in India. Oh, god, 14 <laughs> stitches in my calf. What did you do? I cut it riding a rickshaw. Yep, where I decided to ride. <laughs> I did that, I did that in Cambodia. Really, and crashed. Yeah, this while this uh, old gray haired guy that was riding, he had to get out and push. So I'm thinking, I'm not letting an old guy push me. So I'm pushing, and then he didn't speak English. So when we got to the flat, I was in sign language, I was like, I'll ride, and you go on the back. Mm. And then the first thing I did is um, lift my leg over the front of the bike, and it sliced on this ancient rusty bike. Ooh, and it was damn. it was a fairly big, fairly big uh, 14 stitches. I don't know how big that is, but it looked like fish inside my leg there, white <laughs> white meat. And there's you know half dead cows there, and dogs running around in the yeah. dirt. And I think this is probably the worst place in the world. Yep. 
yeah. And then this, <laughs> I'm showing this guy, and he's he's like, I don't know what to do. So I said, can you take me to a hospital or a doctor? He said, yeah, let's go to the doctor. So he dropped me off at a chemist, and I paid him, and he went, just left really quick. And then the chemist wasn't even open. And there was a guy standing there who had uh, in crutches. He had one leg. And he's like, come with me. <laughs> so yeah. like, okay. Come, I'll join <laughs> your group. my guy. <laughs> yeah. And so I followed this guy down a down an alleyway. This, I'm with all my bags as well, like a backpack and another yeah. bag with a laptop in there. And I'm on the way to a train station to leave Agra, which is extremely, oh, Agra's extremely, a dirt, extremely dirty city. <laughs> Taj Mahal, amazing, but Agra is so yeah, gross. Disparity there. Yeah. Yeah. And then so we, I'm following this guy down the alleyway. We walk into a shop that has like 20 women sewing. We go through the back of that shop and we're in the back of another shop and then we're in another alleyway. There's another chemist there and then they're not even open, but guy next door opens up and then I show the, like six guys in my leg and they're all kind of freaking out and speaking <laughs> Hindi. And then one of them writes down a hospital name, but none of them spoke any English to me. It's kind of yeah. a bit strange there. So a lot yeah. of people speak really good English. Then found another rickshaw, and then what would have been maybe like a 20-minute ride took like an hour because mm. we went through a street parade, and there was just <laughs> massive symbols right next to my head as I'm getting a lot of pain. Oh, I can see it. Yeah, and like high-pitched singing on those little uh, megaphone boxes. It yeah, was just, it was just, just torture. piercing your ears. <laughs> yeah. Ruining your eardrums. Yeah, then finally got to this hospital, and it's probably 7 p.m., and then everyone's kind of scurrying around for this uh, white guy. They call in the doctor from home. Yeah. And this lady's like, okay, take off your shoes and follow me. And I'm like, I'm not taking off my shoes. It's full of blood. Take off your shoes and follow me, please. <laughs> so, all right. Took them off. I'm just dragging blood through this hospital floor in my sock. And then a lady's following me with a mop. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and then um, as, they're, as, they're sewing, or as they're like um, putting the, the antiseptic in there, I made him pull it even further because I'm just watching it. Going, yeah. A bit more, please. Yeah. And then as they're sewing it up, I was like, oh, can you pass my camera, please? <laughs> <laughs> I started taking photos. And then the doctor's like, now your leg is as good as your cricket team. <laughs> like, thanks, thanks, doc. <laughs> and then another funny thing happened where... The Ricky Ponting. Yeah, there's still enough time for this train because I was going to be three hours early and it was mm. such a nightmare to get a ticket. You know how sometimes simple things in India, they're just incredibly hard? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's... Quite an organized train system for a very disorganized country, but I was getting really huge price disparity difference. Right. And then introduced to a weird, another rickshaw guy. He's like, "Oh, you want to stop at my brother's?" And we stopped and stop got a at ticket. My brother's house. <laughs> yeah, this is the day before cutting myself. But I was getting prices like 120 to 300 dollars for a one-way ticket. This is just an overnight yeah, train right. to Varanasi. Yeah, everyone's just bullshitting you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then this um, rickshaw guy, like a just fighting people in the um, train station. They told me no trains for 17 days. And then another guy told <laughs> I've me... heard that one. Yeah, another guy told me you can buy a ticket for $1 and stand up for 10 hours in mm. first and last carriage. And it's I did that third, once too. Third class. It's horrible. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's an option at least. Because the only person I knew in India was already... On your, on your busted left. leg? Well, no, this is before, this okay, is before I got, <laughs> got the ticket. And then as I'm just kind of, you know, um, trying, to, trying to piece together a plan... Um, the rickshaw guy goes, do you get a ticket? I was like, no. He goes, oh, let's stop by my brother's. Stop there. He's like, yeah, I'll get your ticket for tomorrow. You can sleep in the bed in the four-person carriage and it's cost you $4 and you give me $3 commission. And I was like, no, no problem. <laughs> You're like, $2. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, as I'm getting, as I'm uh, leaving the hospital, I'm still got enough time to make this train. And they're like, sorry, you have to stay here in the wheelchair for three days and then rent these crutches for two weeks and then buy all these, like, drugs. Oh, fuck. 
like, sorry, I'm walking out of here. Um, how much? And they're like, okay, you can pay 150 US dollars. And I was like, okay, no problem. Here's a credit card. Sorry, we don't have credit card. So the ambulance drove me to the next neighborhood, to the ATM, mm. took out some cash, came back, paid up, got my yep. bags, got out of there. Yeah. yeah. Far out. <laughs> no, they went to Varanasi. It's, yeah, Varanasi's a trip, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Did you go to the Burning Ghats? Well, the, where the hotel was, was right on the water, and any hour of daylight, right in front of the hotel was at least one body burning. Yep. Sometimes three. Mm. So it's kind of weird. You wake up and go for an early walk to breakfast, and there's a body with a hand falling out of it and a foot. Yeah. yeah. The whole place smells like... Uh, we were staying just like right behind the burning gas, maybe like a block in or mm. something pretty close. Uh, the whole place just smells like a barbecue, doesn't it? Yeah. Every, you wake up like, hmm, that smells all right. What's yeah. that? That's <laughs> oh, uh, burning humans. Burning humans, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that place is like a, a boiled down circus freak show, India condensed, isn't yeah. it? Um, well, I understand I, a lot I, I of... Love, I loved it. A lot of sick people will go there to more or less die because mm. it's quite a spiritual place. Yeah, apparently so the, the flames are meant to be lit by Shiva. Right. I could be wrong, but that's what someone told me mm. when I was there. And well, they've been uh, kept alight since since Shiva was there. Oh, really? Was there. Well, I did a mural of Hanuman. Oh, cool. Hanuman's a red-faced monkey god. He was my yeah. favorite god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, there's like 4,000 gods. Yeah. Yeah, 4,000. 4,000, I, 4, I believe. 4,000, yeah. So there's was, was one funny point. It's kind of tying back to our conversation earlier. I think Ricky Gervais is a, quite a staunch atheist. Yeah. And he was making a comparison where everyone this. who's a believer in god they are exactly the same as him and they don't there's four thousand hindu gods there's one or three christian gods three and one it's so one and three trinity, Holy trinity. Yeah. there's muhammad is a prophet for god and uh what else is there buddha is a prophet i guess mm-hmm. and every other every other culture has their version of creation so yeah so that's like over 4,000 gods. Yeah. So most people who believe in one god, they don't believe in those other 4,003. They just believe in one. Yeah, exactly. one is three, yeah. So they're exactly the the same as an atheist. The ridiculous that they see of Shiva or Buddha or Hanuman. Hanuman, yep. Although some people have more holistic view where it's all just one god and it's Mm. one connected world Yeah. and different pathways. Yep. Which is, you know, you can't argue with that. Yeah. Too much. I love uh, Hanuman as well. The whole um, Ramdas community, which I got uh, quite involved with for a few years. I actually going back to Hawaii. To uh, really? Ramdas just passed away. Oh, really? Uh, Ramdas, please inform me of who this Ah, uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, Ramdas and... is a American spiritual teacher who's just recently passed away. But he was um, Timothy Leary from the Psychedelic 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, he was kind of his right-hand man. So they were both right. professors of psychology. In, so he'd be like uh, 90 or 100 or something. Yeah, I think he's 88, I think. Wow. Um, and they both got fired from Harvard for uh, experimenting yeah. with LSD. Oh, I think no, they, they did an experiment with um, psilocybin mushrooms uh, with their students. Right. Uh, in a so <laughs> that's I think probably they, when it wasn't illegal LSD. Yeah, I think they got a whole bunch of their students, um, gave them psilocybin, and they did it in a church, uh, and tried to see whether they could evoke a spiritual experience. Uh, and I think wow. most uh, most of the people did. Some didn't. Wow. Uh, anyway, then they got fired, and then uh, Timothy Leary went down the political um, yeah, counterculture, star, yeah. yeah, kind of thing. And then Ramdas went to India and took LSD and just basically was giving it to all these holy bubbers saying, really? what, what is this? What is it doing? Um, 
is this real? Uh, why do I feel so good? And everyone's <laughs> looking at me like I'm going bonkers. Mm. Um, what was the Bubba's response in general? I think he had a bunch of, uh, I don't know, people were just like <laughs> trips balls. Various responses. <clears throat> and then he um, he eventually got talked into seeing his, uh, what ultimately became his guru, called um, Anim Karoli Baba, who mm-hmm. also known as Maharaji. Mm-hmm. And I think he basically gave him uh, a huge... He claims he read his mind, and he at one point said, "You have the medicine." And he's like, "What are you What are you talking about?" He's like, you have the medicine, and he's like, um, "You mean this?" And the way he describes it, they're in pill form. I don't know how they made acid back then. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Maharaji grabbed him and took what would be like a, a hero dose, you know, fucking ridiculous, um, and then uh, pretended that it was freaking out, and then just laughed and said, "This is." Uh, we used to have this back in the day, and this uh, this is, um, you know, we have better ways of getting there, and had right. no effect on him, and really, and just breezed through it like it ain't no thing, and um, wow, and then Ramdas was like, well, his name was Richard Alpert, sorry, I should have said that earlier, just was like, what, um, and then kind of started following him and uh, showed him through Bhakti Yoga, which is like uh, the yoga of uh, devotion and love. Um, and that's where Hanuman comes in. Hanuman is a, right. uh, a servant of Ram. Have you heard of a film, Kumare? I have heard of it. I haven't I haven't seen it yet, but I've met the main actor. There's a book about him too, right? Not sure. Maybe I'm wrong. No, go, go on. Um, I'll tell you the brief synopsis. So he's a uh, MTV presenter, and he Indian parents born in New Jersey, so he's you know American. Mm. I don't think he speaks Hindi. I'm not sure. But um, it's quite a funny guy, and he decides to create this character Kumare, and he goes to I've Indi- seen it. Goes to India, pays for like sixty thousand followers. It's really cheap, and then he becomes this fake guru, and has you know sort of training into how to teach yoga or something like that, and certain phrases, and then goes to um, unknowing suspects across I think Midwest of USA, and gives people what they want. It gives people what they need. Yeah. And people think he's a real guru, and uh, they're crying and all these things. And I haven't seen the film, but this is that's the oh, basis of it. I fo- totally forgot about that film. That is really controversial. Like, it's he takes these people for a ride, and then he tells them later on. And he then, tells them in an American accent, "Hey, look, um, I was acting then." Yeah. But you got what you needed. You know? Yeah. And some people were just really angry, and other people were like, "Well, I guess I did." Some people saw like the whole irony of yeah. the cosmic dance or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And we're just like, you actually did teach me yeah. a big thing about myself and other people were just like I mean they scammed me. They were <laughs> scammed but also they just felt like who am I? I why why am I so gullible? Why yeah. why why would I, I I thought it was a it was oh man, mixed emotions. It was a fantastic yeah. film, but it was such a bizarre um uh, there's a lot going on. I re- yeah, recommend that. that was a- <laughs> Thanks for reminding me of that film. I should watch it. Yeah, it's it's that's yeah far out. That is a real trip, huh? Um, yep. Have you have you found? We'll tie this all around back to the art. Have you found that your art has kind of um, uh, like taken you in uh, kind of what am I trying to say? Taking you in, in places like spirituality, or it's allowed you to explore things like spirituality, or um, maybe even more specifically connecting to the indigenous people. Because I know you've done yeah. a few murals about that. Yeah, and, um, that's definitely. I, I love that def- about Matt Adnate. He's really allowed his art to 
immerse himself in yeah. the... Um, he's, Matt, Matt also um, has spent a lot of time with different communities. Yep. So he takes, you know, photos of subject matter of people he knows. Mm. And from places, you know, there's always stories behind his faces. Yep. Um, I think Art World has been this incredible journey of going to so many different places and you have like a, a unique reason and you're interacting if, with communities in a, a way that you wouldn't do if you were a tourist mm. or even if you live there and you weren't doing Art World. So it's been um, incredible different places that I've been to uh, and the, one of the most interesting cultural experiences with Aboriginal people, especially in Newcastle in Arnhem Land because I went there four times, I had immediate... Um, introduction to the the leader Bakamumu, and that was through a friend Stuart from Adelaide. He'd been there for 15 years in Northern Territory, and then Bakamumu is putting photos of him spray painting the wall on Facebook, and that community was very much intertwined. Um, my mate Stuart said it was like the Industrial Revolution when everyone's jumping on, getting you know online, yeah, online um personas and just also spelling and stuff of their language. Yeah, you know, it becomes a bit more standardised, and uh, there's people just sharing things like hundreds of times so that's quite an interesting cultural thing that it's in the country i'm born in but some people it's english is their fourth fifth language mm. and um through art art world there was a a uh, prologue for a exhibition up there that was written by the guy that runs the art center will stubbs and he was making this analogy of it's one of the examples of the biggest cultural divide in the world of aboriginal customs and culture of their ancient spirituality and their polytheist multiple gods and then um these huge differences with so many different things with their language or their culture and then now it's uh intertwined forever with white people culture with generally one god and one knowledgeable pathway mm. and um so the the cross cultures and then the way that average people now are they are taken from both of these worlds. Mm. Mm. Were you doing many paintings up up north? Yeah. Well, every time I went there, it was for artwork. Cause, Everywhere I mean, you go, you paint. Yeah? Um, Aboriginal communities, I've always just gone to them for But work. just in life, everywhere you go, uh, you In paint. general, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> that's really great. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Ucala gets used as an example of how, well, I understand this, how Aboriginal communities can function reasonably well, mm. pretty well. There's very strong leaders and they're quite proud. A number of famous people come from there. And they um, seem to have, um, well, not the sort of problems that we all hear about in other communities. Right. I think they do have their issues with youth suicide and people uh, choking themselves seems to be the trend last time I was there. Right. But um, overall, they're, you know, awesome people. Yeah, great. Yeah, I was, um, I'd love to go up, up north. I did our first trip to Alice Springs when we drove to go to White Open Space Festival. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you go over the border to Northern Territory, just, oh, my God. Yeah. How amazing is Ellis Springs? Haven't even yeah. seen Arnhem Land, haven't been to Kakadu. Just yeah. like, why have I never travelled? I mean, I always just go overseas, yeah. even now, going to India. Why? Well, I don't know. Should, should spend much more time in this country. It's mm. such a beautiful place. Yeah, it's so huge. Yep. Yep. I'd love to, really love to explore. And um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully I can figure out a way to get my art to take me in all the right places. Yeah. Um, well, you can approach them. Yeah. Yeah. What like um art centers or, yeah, art or centers, yeah. yeah. Or schools. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I will. <laughs> um yeah, we could uh probably kind of wind it down with um I'd love to hear uh, anything that you could give 
for advice for some younger artists. You've been at it for, you know, such a such a good um, yeah about twelve years time. From time I yeah, 12, 13. and I I think uh, one thing I've noticed uh, in since I've just left art school and most of my art friends have just coincidentally turned out to be mural artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only artists I know that live off their art are mural artists. Maybe tattoo artists would be mm. another one. Um, or yeah, even graphic designers, but I guess that's more design. Mm-hmm. Um, fine artists have a, a bit more of a harder time. They're, they're selling works for maybe five, ten grand, but that's pretty few and far between. And yeah. There's a huge commission. Yeah. Uh, maybe the model needs to change. Maybe they need to start. Yeah. Um, and, and murals is definitely, I've seen, to be a way of surviving. Yeah, well, it definitely uh, has helped me mm. for sure. Um, I think that uh, any advice for young people, like, um, first of all, I think hard work is the biggest thing. Yep. Um, I think talent is not necessary, but it really helps you. Mm. I think also being comfortable with yourself and having integrity, so that if uh, whatever happens, if you stick with your own integrity, then you always can fall back on that, whatever pathways you're choosing. Um, I think for me, being interested in so many different things and jumping around styles maybe too much has been uh, made me able to jump on a lot of different mural jobs and I'm trying to kind of tone that down a bit. Um, and I think also, like, uh, how can I explain? Like, like to, find your, to find your pathway, it can't be exactly like someone else's pathway but it can't be too far away from everyone's pathway that there's no reference point as well. Mm. That's so, good advice, yeah. Don't try to, yeah, don't try to copy. Well, you, yeah, you, I mean, you could, I think for youngsters, like, you know, under 15 or whatever, it's great to copy like, copy everyone mm. and get good at that. And then when you know how to do all these different things, you can follow your own path and make something unique from those different styles. Yep, yep, great. How, how much time, um, what would be your balance between art making and marketing for instance sourcing Mark, jobs or, or you know yeah just our network whatever you want to call it networking yeah me looking at my computer yeah <laughs> screen time uh, far too far too much and this is this is one problem where i will try to split a day up just an average day like when i'm painting murals obviously just painting murals um if i'm in the studio i try to think okay let's just do three hours computer time three hours fun stuff and then suddenly it's like eight hours later, I'm just at the computer mm. and I'm trying to work out ways that I can find other people to do these things. But it's really very hard to give up Gmail or password. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know how to, it's probably 50 50. Yeah, okay. You know? yeah. yeah. Yeah, I definitely don't spend enough time just mainly studio. Mainly, <laughs> mainly yeah, studio. but that's more fun. Yeah, it's way more fun. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And I think, you know, how we're talking about um, psychedelics and stuff like that before, uh, the only thing that I think that I can paint on is weed mm. only little bits yep. smoke a little bit of weed and my the um idea generation just goes up and oh, really? on a civil level yeah and, flattens me <laughs> and it can be different to different people i think yeah. maybe if i smoked a bit a reasonable amount that it would flatten um or maybe i'll get distracted but smoking a little bit seems to help as well as doing repetitive tasks mm. if you just have to paint one color or whatever it is yep seems to help but i rarely smoke weed yeah me neither um, I, th- I think I was joking that it would probably be a good career move to do that because then I wouldn't be sitting at the computer and eventually, you know, whatever you create is going to find a home somewhere. Mm, yeah. Um, do you find um, kind of 
you're transitioning into studio as as you're wanting to do is is that a struggle for you do you do you get a thrill out of being on the walls and yeah well the the studio it's the same place and the wall That's, whatever yeah. we're doing is isolating different. there's so. different factors and it's a different place so there's always something new with that mm. and i think um i love you know something new yep whether that's travel or just in Melbourne. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But I think also as I get older, I'm probably not going to have the same energy in five, ten years Yeah. to run around so much. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm sure you can run out of steam, hey? Yeah. Um, thank you so much, man. Thank you, Jack. Really appreciate it, dude. You're a legend. Thank you, and, Mycelium um, Studios, uh, yeah. Ash and Jez and Ed. Totally. Thank you for letting us use this space. Yeah. What do you, you think of Mushroom Lab, by the way? You did a quick tour. Yeah, we did a little tour next door to the Mycology Lab, Microlab. Yeah. Um, I listened to that podcast on there. Yeah, and, uh, that's fun, they, that one. They're growing mycelium into panels and then they'll bake them and then they're going to create they're creating a geodesic dome. Yeah. So it's something that's biodegradable. It's solid. And, it's uh, amazing. And building material. Yeah, I just cool. felt I felt one of the little bricks, and it is incredibly it's, it's light. Inflammable. I was trying to squeeze it really dense. Yeah. Just like um. It floats. Good. Oh, really? Just like good styrofoam. Yes. Exciting. IKEA use it apparently. Really? Yep. Cool. Yeah. Really exciting to see how all that unfolds. Yes. The NGV project. Um. Anyway, man. Thank really you, Jack. appreciate it, dude. Sweet. <laughs> Take it easy. Goodbye now.